Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Welcome to church. If you're visiting us for the first time, we want to just hope you feel at home. Um, and Facebook uh, listeners or watchers, uh, welcome Facebook community. And uh, I want to speak on what's so amazing about Christmas. What is so amazing about Christmas? I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I can think of that is amazing about Christmas. A lot of people love um, the festivity, the food. Who loves the food? Yes. Getting together. I mean, some people get really, really happy when they get food, you know? Italians get happy when lasagna is made Christmas time as a tradition. And, uh, but all the beautiful, uh, and some, and some, and some, and some. We get more food on top of lasagna. And... Uh, but you know, food is great, holiday is great, having time off work, getting together with family, presents. Who loves presents? I mean, I love, I love seeing the joy of my children every time Christmas comes around because they, they just love that time of the year. They're excited, um, you know, obviously to get presents and everything because someone was born. You always remind them, why are you happy? Why, you know, why are you so excited? Because, you know, they're getting a present. Yes, but because Jesus was born and, and so on. What is the most amazing thing about Christmas? It's, uh, we love all those things. That's fantastic. The most amazing thing about Christmas is that God Almighty became a human. Yes, Just think about it for a moment. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, God the Father, He put on flesh. He became a man. He became a human being. We, we need to realize the reality, how and why God became a human and split time in half. Did you know that? Every person on the planet acknowledges God came to this planet. Every time they say, oh, every time you write a check, every time you write a, a letter, any time you write the date, it is the 23rd of the 12th, 2018. And uh, BC, we know what BC means before Christ, but AD doesn't mean after death. Okay? It means, oh, let me read it out to you because I don't want to say it wrong. Anno Domini. Which is year of the Lord. Domini. Anno Domini. It's standardized under the Julian Gregorian calendar. The system spread throughout Europe and Christian world during the centuries that followed. AD stands for Anno Domini. Latin for in the year of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Latin for the year of the Lord. Every time you say Merry Christmas. Anytime people celebrate this time of the year. Anytime you acknowledge the date. Whether you believe in God or not, whether you have your own beliefs, you're still acknowledging that the Lord God Almighty came to our planet. I love God's um, sense of humor. He made sure that time was split and that we acknowledge the year of the Lord that, that, when He came to the earth. If you've got your Bibles, please, please turn to the book of Matthew. I'm just going to look at the book of Matthew. The most amazing thing about Christmas is that God became a human. Just that thought, God Almighty, the Almighty One, became a human. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he himself, so but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua. That's how you say it in the Hebrew. It means salvation. God is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. They just, they just 
gave you the definition of his name. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, this is the prophet Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah has the most messianic prophecies, talking about the Messiah, the coming of Messiah. This was written about seven, eight hundred years before Jesus was born. That behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child. So God became a human. He used the egg of a woman, but he didn't use the seed of a man. Because we know the story that we'll look at Luke 2. Let's look at Luke 2. It gives us a, 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 it starts to paint the picture. Luke chapter 2, please. Luke 2, verse. Actually, no, Luke 1, 26. Chapter 1, verse 26. We're going here first. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, think about it. God had to choose a woman. So out of all the women, young women in those days, they're all expecting the Messiah to come. I mean, the children of Israel, the Israelites, had an expectation that the Messiah was going to be born because they had a lot of Old Testament scriptures. So the, the prophecies from the prophets painted a very, very clear picture that Messiah would come, right? The, 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 that a child was given, a son will be born, and the government will be upon his shoulders. We shall call him Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the, of his kingdom, there will be no end. They knew very clearly that a Messiah would be born. We just read, a virgin shall conceive a child. A, a sign will be given. A virgin will conceive and bear a child. And so all these scriptures, even Isaiah 53, that by his, by his wounds we were healed. But by his transgressions, the, 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 the sufferings of, or his pain was upon him. And all these scriptures that talk about Jesus, by his, the chastisement of his peace was upon him so that we could be set free of our sin. I mean, there's so many scriptures that give us a clear picture of Jesus dying on the cross being the Messiah, being the Savior. So the, the, the women knew very clearly the Messiah has to be born. And I, I, obviously God had to look at the heart and God chose Mary. Above all the women, somewhere God saw purity, holiness. He saw her devotion to God. He saw that she loved God. And God chose Mary to be the vessel to come through. So he came through, used the eggs of a woman, but didn't use the seed of man. We'll look at it now. The angel came in, right? Verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice highly, favored one. Rejoice highly, favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Heaven is greeting her through an angel, angel Gabriel, and saying, Rejoice highly, favored one. Rejoice. Be happy. Rejoice, highly favored one. But she responds by being troubled. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So from heaven's point of view, she finds favor with God. God chooses her. But on her point of view, she's afraid. God actually had to tell her, Don't be afraid. 
Sometimes heaven's point of view on our situation is completely different than the way we see ourselves. We react in fear. I mean, every angel encounter in the Bible, every, every time you read an angel encounter, men and women, the, the, we react in fear, trembling with fear. Sometimes they have to be told, don't fear. Even Peter, James, and John, when they, when they were there in the mountain of transfiguration, the glory cloud, they were shaking with fear. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. The only person you see doesn't react in fear is Jesus. What is it in us that makes us react in fear? It's obviously the sin. Why don't we have security? Heaven is saying, rejoice. Don't be afraid. You've got favor. Favor is towards you, but you're full of fear. And look at what Gabriel says to Mary. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and and shall call his name Jesus. Salvation. He will be great and be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now she understood the scriptures. She knew all the scriptures. But now it's happening to her. Gabriel speaking to her. An angel encounter giving her a message from God himself that she is going to be the one who's going to bear the Messiah. God becoming a human being. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that, that Holy One who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit himself will overshadow you. And you'll you'll call, the one that's going to be born is going to be called the Son of God. God chose egg of a woman, yes, through the vessel of of a woman, but not the seed of man. In the Old Testament scriptures, there's a lot of scriptures that says that God will visit the sins of the fathers. The third and fourth generation. Not the sins of the mothers, but the sins of the fathers. It's the sin of the seed of man that the sin is visited through. So you've got a real scriptural basis, all mothers, to blame your husband. That's why your children are ending up... No, I'm joking. It's a joke. But there is some truth in the reality that God says the seed, there's power in fathers. I'm telling you, there's power in a godly father, godly man living that example for his children. Because they create purpose. They give destiny. There's so much a father releases. They give identity to their children. The seed, sorry, the eggs of a woman, but not the seed of man. Because God didn't use the seed of man. Jesus did not have a physical father. He had God the Father as his father. The Holy Spirit himself made her pregnant. The seed of God. We, we know clearly, scientists know that a woman... Incubating a baby, having a baby, giving birth to a baby. The blood in the baby does not mix with the blood with the woman. It never mixes. I believe with all my heart, when we get to heaven, you'll know that I'm right. But (laughs) that the seed of a man, when it hits the egg, is when the blood is produced. That's why. Because if it doesn't happen that way, I believe we get fallen, contaminated blood from our mother. But Jesus would have been contaminated. Jesus was through a virgin birth. She didn't know any physical man. God the Father made her pregnant so that the seed of God himself, blood was produced into the egg and the form of the baby. God becomes a human. It's phenomenal when you think about it. The creator of the universe choosing to come to become a humble man. 
I want us to understand that so deeply. That God chose to put on human flesh for the purpose of saving mankind. If you have a look now at Luke chapter 2, pick it up from verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, look, an angel of the Lord stood before them. We don't know how many shepherds there are, but God chose shepherds. Why didn't he choose, I don't know, the religious Pharisee that are high standard in society? They, they've got a lot of authority. Their testimony will bear more witness. But he chose shepherds. Now, I don't know why, but maybe it's their humility. Maybe it's their hunger. Maybe it's their, 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 their crying out. I don't know. But God chooses shepherds for a reason, for a purpose. In a sense, God the Father is creating his story, his Christmas story. He's doing it for many reasons and purposes. But he reveals himself to the shepherds for them to play a part in the witness to Mary too. You see, Mary's got a picture in her heart. She already understands the scripture. She already knows about the Messiah. Now she's had an encounter with Gabriel before Jesus was birthed into her womb. She saw an angel and encountered an angel. She knows what she saw. She knows what she heard. And she knows that she got immaculately pregnant. She knows she had no intimacy with a man and now she's pregnant. So she knows this is supernatural. This is God. I mean, it'd be phenomenal to be Mary. Imagine that. That's a powerful experience. But now... She's giving birth and uh, you know that Mary had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem and it's about 150 k's depending on what road you take. It takes about four days of traveling by walking because you travel 40 you know, kilometers a day, maybe 50 and you, might, and you rest. But she's pregnant. She's full with baby. She's probably on a donkey, probably using a donkey to move her. But uh, pregnant women, you know what it was like? Imagine being on a, on a donkey and traveling for 40 k's a day for three days in a row. That's pretty hard. And when you finally get to Nazareth, uh, Nazareth or Bethlehem, sorry, finally get to Bethlehem and, 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 and she has to give birth. I don't know why I didn't have family there. I think they might have had family there. He's from that Bethlehem town. But maybe because she's pregnant and she's got that shame on her because she's pregnant before marriage, she couldn't go to her family and they look for a space in the inn. God made, I mean, I know God is so powerful. If he wanted to be giving birth the son to come into this planet through finding a good space in the inn. He would have made sure there was space in the inn. It's like God's planning his son to come in a stable, in a manger. You know what that place is? It's actually feeding animals. I've been to India and I've been to homes. They look like a home because people live in it. They live in it. I walk in and they've got the cooking place. They've got a little fireplace for rocks. And they've got the bed where they you know, sleep on the bed there. And they sleep there, and then there's animals in the same room. And the stinks. I walked in, and I just realized, these people live here. And they take care of the animals with so much love and care. That's their livelihood. Milk and all the things that the animal's going to give them, livelihood to feed their family, they sleep in the same room. It's like that picture. But when you, when you, it's so different to your senses when you smell it. And that God chose to come that way. The creator of the universe humbles himself to become a man. I, I, I mean, surely, God, choose a palace. Choose some mansion. Choose a rich man. Let it be hygienically clean. You know. But God chose to come this way. The angel comes and this angel said to, to them, now, so they saw an angel, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. How were they like? What was their reaction to heaven? What was their reaction to this angel? Greatly afraid, full of fear, shaking. I mean, if you saw an angel, you would too. 
And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, look, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all the people. Like, I know you're reacting to heaven's manifestation with fear, but heaven's saying, Don't be afraid. I bring you great joy. Good news of great joy, not just to you guys, but to all the people of the earth. They were excited to announce this news. Did you know that? This angel was excited. They were waiting for, heaven was waiting for 4,000 years. They were prophesying. I mean, God, through the Holy Spirit, was prophesying through the prophets, painting the picture, waiting for the Messiah. We know that Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth. The Bible says that. God, in his mind, knew that he was going to bring his Savior, his son, Jesus. He knew he was going to become a man. But he spoke it and spoke it through the prophets for the people to have the faith for Jesus to come in. And uh, I I love the fact that even though we react in fear, heaven says, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news. I'm bringing you great, yeah, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Anointed One, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I mean, why is that a sign? Maybe because of the fact that he got born in a manger. You're going to find a baby wrapped in, in strips of cloth in a manger. No one had gives birth in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly means suddenly, literally means suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Peace, goodwill towards men. The word peace literally means to be made one again. God He's making a declaration. Tell the world, you're made one again with me. You were, heaven was at war with mankind. But because I've sent my son Jesus and he was born into the earth, peace towards man to be made one again. And there were, the word multitude of angels is not just a few. It's not a, it actually means multitudes. And so that it really goes into the thousands. It wouldn't be hundreds. It's definitely thousands. I think even millions. The more I get to know the Father, the more I get to know how God is. I just believe that there's millions of angels just showed up in the sky or showed up and they were saying this. Why? They were excited about the news. Heaven was waiting for a long time. It was a great announcement, a great excitement. It's an event of all events. And these angels had to come from heaven. Did you know that? They had to travel through the universe, through the sky, through the universe. They they actually traveled and, and, and God brought them here. Why? For the event that the Son was born. And to reveal this great news to the shepherds. Because look what the shepherds did. I mean, that was pretty powerful. I mean, if, you, if you're out in the fields taking care of your sheep and you see all this, like, wow. Glory to God in the highest on earth. peace. Then he says, so, verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste really quick, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. They made widely known that this is the Messiah, that this is the one that peace is going to come to the earth, that an angel came to us and said, he's the savior of the world. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Listen to this in verse 10. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
What's happening? God is making sure that Mary knows clearly what's happening. Because remember, she knows the scriptures already. Gabriel reveals to her before conception that she's going to get pregnant. That's a pretty powerful encounter. Now she gives birth. I mean, again, traveled three or four days. No, what, Joseph? No room in the inn? Are you kidding me? What are we going to do? I mean, I don't know how she would have reacted, but I reckon it's pretty full on, three or four days traveling, and now I can't find a place to give birth. And there's, some, there's a little place, a little st- stable. There's like a manger there. I know they're feeding animals there, but it's covering. Let's go there. I mean, when you're desperate, you just go. And then she goes, and she gives birth to the creator of the universe in that humble place. Then when, she, when the baby's all wrapped up, it was all timed by God. The shepherds come in excitedly. They're full of excitement. I mean, doesn't that say how many shepherds there were? Let's say there's a number of them. They're, they're excited about what they've seen. So they've come in telling their news and announcing the news. We've seen an angel. We've seen an angel. And not just an angel. We saw thousands and thousands of angels worshiping God. And, and they would have been highly excited, highly hyped up. I, I reckon they would have just started, this, this Jesus is, is the Messiah. And so they would have said, he's the Messiah. They told us this, that he's going to save the world of their sins. And, and all this. They, they explained. And Mary would have gone, wow. Wow. Because she just gave birth. And she already has had those encounters. This is another encounter for her. After eight days of the circumcision, Jesus got circumcised. They had to bring the turtle doves into the temple. I don't know how long it was. But when they brought Jesus in, Simeon and Anna now come in. Led by the Spirit. One's about, they reckon Simeon is about 112 years old. Anna's about 105 years old. We know from Scripture Anna's 105 years old. Praying and interceding for 84 years in the temple for the Messiah to come. They come right at the right time and prophesy, this is the Messiah. This, Jesus is going to bring redemption to Israel. They literally prophesy that. And another, another encounter for Mary, like another picture. Like, God, what are you doing? Like, it was cemented in her that she's carrying God in human form. It's so important that we, we believe that, yes, God in human form, God in flesh, Jesus emptied himself of the privilege of being God and he became a man. He wasn't fully, he wasn't like, he, he, didn't, he didn't take on the devil as God. He didn't go to the cross as God because God can't die. He went to the cross as a man, as a human being representing human beings. The scripture teaches us very clearly, he emptied himself of the privilege of being God in Philippians. And I want to read you Hebrews. This is in the Message Bible, verse 14 and 15, chapter 2. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, the children being you and I, we're made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death. By embracing death, taking it into himself, he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. And that beautiful translation. And in verse 17, 18, it says, It's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all the trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. He can feel with the feelings of our infirmity. He knows what we've been through because he became a human. God himself, he didn't send someone else. He didn't send a messenger. He came himself to fight our battle, to take on our sin, to take on our shame. That's what's so amazing about Christmas. 
the creator of the universe. You know, the stars out there, the universe, that it's still exploding at the speed of light, still expanding. They, they already got pictures. They got pictures of stars that form a beautiful picture of a butterfly. Why does God do that? Because he can. Because he just can make stars and make them form in beautiful colors and it looks like a butterfly. He's got, he's got stars in formation like an eye. They call it the iris because I don't know what else to call it. But it looks like an eye. It's, it's a star formation. It's like just this is how powerful our God is. Why does he, why does he just... It's like he's painting out there because he can. Showing you how powerful he is, how mighty he is. It's our Father God who became a human to take our sin, take our place. All the religions of the world, every one of them, I'm sorry to say, told you what you have to do to get to heaven. But with Christianity, he became a man and did it on our behalf. He died on the cross in our place fully. And if we, go to the, if we go to the crunch of what Jesus did on the cross, I'm convinced after reading this for over 30 something years and understanding it, trying to understand what the life of Jesus is about and what he did on the cross, he did not fear the death, the physical pain, the whippings, the scourging, the ripping out of the beards, the bashing. He wasn't afraid of that whatsoever. He's a man's man. Talk about a hero. Talk about a hero. Jesus is the hero of heroes. Because it doesn't say he screamed in that way, in any way, when they tortured him. But what I believe with all my heart, in the garden where he says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. I'm feeling the weight of the sin of the world, because I know I'm going to become the sin of the world, to the point it feels like I'm about to die. It feels like it's going to kill me, because I know what I'm going to become. The physical death didn't do away with sin. Spiritual death did away with sin. He became sin on that cross. Not just when he physically died, but I believe he's, because Jesus is a complete human being. Spirit, soul, and body. He has a spirit because he's a human being. So on the cross, his spirit becomes sin. Because God can't die on the cross. He's a full-fledged human being, as we read in the scripture. So when he dies... When he gives up his last, when he willingly lays down his life, it all is a plan of God. It's amazing, God's victory. When he gives up his last breath, his body hung on the cross, stayed on the cross. Where did his spirit go? His spirit became sin. I believe personally, when you get to heaven, you can ask Jesus personally. I believe he went to hell and he was made sin. That means he went there as if he was the sinner, yet he didn't sin. See, Satan had no legal right to put death on a man who never sinned. What right do you think he had? He didn't have a right to put, sin on, to put death on a man who never sinned. So he does an illegal act in allowing death to come on him or putting death on him because Jesus was the one who allowed it. Sin is death. You have a right to put death on human beings if they've sinned. Jesus never sinned. Satan had no legal right to put death on him, which means... This is good news. When he goes to hell and suffers for three days and three nights in that place of sin, because he became sin. Three days, three nights, when the justice of heaven, when the, 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 the supreme courts of the throne of God himself is justified. In other words, three, three days and three nights, God sends the Holy Spirit, the very glory of the Father. Romans 6 says this. Went to his spirit in hell, resurrects his dead spirit. 
Now his spirit is, Wah! I mean, the glory would have, those demons that were on him, creating, you know, putting suffering on him, would have Wah! ran away. Then we took the keys of death and hell from Satan himself. Then in his spirit, glorified body, because the spirit man is complete body, he went into his physical body that was in the cave. And then he went into his body. Now he's, he's got blood. Blood is still in his body. And then they tried to touch him. He said, don't touch me. I must have sent to my father and your father, my God and your God. Hebrews 8, 9 and 10 clearly tells us he went to the very holy of holies in heaven and poured out his blood there. Man, this is redemption. is a perfect redemption. When God does something, he does it completely perfect. You're not just forgiven. You're totally made new. It's not just covered, oh, the sin's still there. The sin has been eradicated. Your spirit has no sin anymore. When you put your faith, this is the key, guys. This is it, though. You can reject Jesus and still remain in your sins. You have to put faith in the one who was illegally mistreated. Satan had no legal right to put death on him. So when you say, God, forgive me for my sins, I put my faith in your love that you sent Jesus to take my place. What you're putting faith in is in God and in his love for you. In his love and mercy and grace that he forgives you for free. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Everything else tells you what you have to do to get to heaven. Earn it, be good enough. If you're only a good enough person, if you go do this, do that. All the things, don't do this, don't do that, don't touch this, don't touch this, don't say that, don't do this, don't go there, don't go there, pray this way, pray that way. It's all the rules and regulations by man is man-made religion. But Jesus died on the cross in your place. And God says, when you put faith in him and him alone, God can legally forgive you when it comes from your heart. If it comes from your head and there's no change in your heart, I don't believe you're born again. A born again person changes his lifestyle. A person that puts his faith in what Christ did on the cross, you will, it won't be perfect overnight because you're not relying on yourself. You will eventually change and you'll become more and more like Jesus. We're not relying on our, ourselves. We're not earning it. We're not trying to be good enough. We put our faith in God's love. And it's that love, I can't explain it any other way, but it's the power of that love that resurrects your dead spirit and gives you the motivation to say, God, you love me so much, I want to love you. You love me so much. You believed in me. The word redemption means to buy back. Redeem. You say, how much is that deemed to be worth? The word deem means valued. How much is that valued? God valued you and I so much that he gave his own son. That he actually became a man and died himself in our place. And he valued us. He redeemed us. To, to buy us back means we were once God's. In the fall, Adam and Eve, we belong we to God. We disobeyed. In Adam and Eve, we disobeyed. We lost the presence of God. We no longer belong to God. He's redeemed us back. Beautiful, most beautiful picture is when God said to Hosea, Hosea is a prophet. He says, go find a prostitute. Take her to be your wife. Paid money for her. Married her. She gave him three children. You know what she does after three giving birth to three beautiful children, she goes back to her lifestyle of prostitution. She leaves him. And God says to him, first it was take, now it says go to your wife and love her. In other words, he went back after she became a prostitution. God, God told Hosea, go get her again. He got her out of love and brought her back to himself and says, tell the people of Israel, that's how I feel. He used her as an example. I've redeemed you. 
I brought you back to myself. We walked away from, the good news is this, even though we walk away from God, He goes after us. Even if you've walked away from God, He'll still go after you and He'll redeem you again. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. No human being can stand in their own righteousness and say, I've been a good person, that's why I'm saved. So none of us stand in our righteousness. This is a beautiful thing. The gospel humbles you to realize it's all God, none of us. None of me, none of you. You didn't earn it. You didn't become good enough. It was all Him. When I look at this, I remember many, many, many years ago, I said to one person I was trying to help decide, I said, until you get a revelation that no human being could have come up with this story, this plan of redemption. When you start to see insights, it's only the wisdom of God could have come up with this because it motivates a human being to want to love Him back for free. You're not earning it. You're not trying to earn it. You just want to love God back. When I say for free, you're motivated out of love to want to love Him back. It's the only way God could have saved us. Because if the onus is on us, we're all lost. (laughs) He did it by His love. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? That's the story of Christmas. When you say Merry Christmas to someone, you're saying Mary being happy. Have a Merry, happy. Mass means celebration. Have a happy celebration of the anointed one. We are to celebrate that the anointed one came for us. Again, we react in fear and God says, no, 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 no. It's great news, great joy to all people. Peace on earth to be made one again. And I haven't got time. Maybe tonight I'll talk about it. This is how it starts. Peace with God. When you make your peace with God, that's the most powerful thing. You cannot have peace with yourself without peace with God. Once you've got peace with God that I'm talking about through faith in Christ, then you can have peace with yourself. But you can't have peace with yourself if you don't obey your conscience. If you disobey your conscience, if, if, you, if you, you know, like you're, it's to have peace with yourself means you're obeying the light God gives you. And once you've got peace with yourself, then you can have peace with others. Where, even when they betray you. Even when they hurt you. Because you've got love to give. You know, I've been forgiven a $20 million debt before God that I could never repay. And you hurt me, you're hurting me with a $20 value. I've, been give, I've forgiven $20 million. I've got all the money in the world. I've got all the forgiveness in the world to forgive you when you hurt me. And if I hurt you, you should have the same forgiveness towards me. Why? I have peace with God, peace with myself. I'm going to have peace with others. People that don't have peace with themselves, they're always like, ah, everybody else. They're putting themselves down. They're condemning themselves. They're upset with themselves. They're upset with the world. Can't have, you can't be at peace with others if you upset with yourself. When you find peace with yourself, because of your relationship with God, because you have peace with God, it's so beautiful to be able to extend that peace with others. To be one. To be made one together. Our theme for this Christmas is better together. It's been made one because of what Jesus did. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now in case there's people in this room that need to make peace with God. People in the online community, people that are watching us on Facebook and on online and listening on YouTube, you can make peace with God right now. You say, how, Leo? How do I do that? By just putting faith in what Jesus did on the cross. That God in His great wisdom sent His Son, Jesus. God in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. I love this scripture. Not imputing our sins against us. He didn't charge your sins against you. If He didn't charge your sins against you, who did He charge them to? 
He charged him to Jesus' account. Him who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So if you're in this room or you're listening to me online, if we can just bow our heads for a moment, I want to encourage you to put your faith in Christ and Him alone. Because without Christ, you won't stand before God. You will not be able to come into the kingdom of heaven except you become born again. Except you accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Confess Him with your mouth, follow Him with your heart. So right now, people in this room, if you want to make peace with God or maybe you just you fell away and you've not walked with Christ and you want to say yes to Him, just slip your hand up and say, Leo, please pray for me. We're going to pray a quick prayer. It's simple but yet powerful where you say yes to Jesus and His death on that cross. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can do that right now. Whether you're in this room or you're watching on Facebook, you can make peace with God. Thank you, Lord. Just slip your hand up if you want that prayer. I'm going to pray a, a simple prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front because it's all you need to do is say yes to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, God. Can we re- repeat this prayer together? People that are online, repeat this prayer. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin, to take away my sin. I give you my life. I bow the knee. I make you the Lord of my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.